0: section two of seeking a human spaceflight program worthy of a great nation this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by hawaii in july 2020 seeking a human spaceflight program worthy of a great nation by the review of u.s human spaceflight plans committee Executive Summary Part 1 The U.S. human spaceflight program appears to be in an unsustainable trajectory. It is perpetuating the perilous practice of pursuing goals that do not match allocated resources. Space operations are among the most demanding and unforgiving pursuits ever undertaken by humans. It really is rocket science. Space operations become all the more difficult when means do not match aspirations. Such is the case today. The nation is facing important decisions on the future of human spaceflight. Will we leave the close proximity of low Earth orbit, where astronauts have circled since 1972, and explore the solar system, charting a path for the eventual expansion of human civilization into space? If so, How will we ensure that our exploration delivers the greatest benefit to the nation? Can we explore with reasonable assurances of human safety? Can the nation marshal the resources to embark on the mission? Whatever space program is ultimately selected, it must be matched with the resources needed for its execution. How can we marshal the necessary resources? There are actually more options available today than in 1961, when President Kennedy challenged a nation to commit itself to the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the Earth. First, space exploration has become a global enterprise. Many nations have aspirations in space, and the combined annual budgets of their space programs are comparable to NASA's. If the United States is willing to lead a global program of exploration, sharing both the burden and benefit of space exploration in a meaningful way, significant accomplishments could follow. Actively engaging international partners in a manner adapted to today's multipolar world could strengthen geopolitical relationships, leverage global financial and technical resources, and enhance the exploration enterprise. Second there is now a burgeoning commercial space industry. If we craft a space architecture to provide opportunities to this industry, there is the potential, not without risk, that the costs to the government would be reduced. Finally, we are also more experienced than in 1961 and able to build on that experience as we design an exploration program. If, after designing cleverly, building alliances with partners and engaging commercial providers the nation cannot afford to fund the effort to pursue the goals it would like to embrace it should accept the disappointment of setting lesser goals can we explore with reasonable assurances of human safety human space travel has many benefits but it is an inherently dangerous endeavor human safety can never be absolutely assured But throughout this report safety is treated as sine qua non. It is not discussed in extensive detail because any concepts falling short in human safety have simply been eliminated from consideration. How will we explore to deliver the greatest benefit to the nation? Planning for a human spaceflight program should begin with a choice about its goals, rather than a choice of possible destinations. Destinations should derive from goals, and alternative architectures may be weighed against those goals. There is now a strong consensus in the United States that the next step in human spaceflight is to travel beyond low-Earth orbit. This should carry important benefits to society, including driving technological innovation, developing commercial industries and important national capabilities, and contributing to our expertise in further exploration. Human exploration can contribute appropriately to the expansion of scientific knowledge, particularly in areas such as field geology, and it is in the interest of both science and human spaceflight that a credible and well-rationalized strategy of coordination between them be developed. Crucially, human spaceflight objectives should broadly align with key national objectives. These more tangible benefits exist within a larger context. Exploration provides an opportunity to demonstrate space leadership while deeply engaging international partners, to inspire the next generation of scientists and engineers, and to shape human perceptions of our place in the universe. The committee concludes that the ultimate goal of human exploration is to chart a path for human expansion into the solar system this is an ambitious goal but one worthy of u s leadership in concert with a broad range of international partners the committee's task was to review the u s plans for human spaceflight and to offer possible alternatives in doing so it assessed the programs within the current human spaceflight portfolio considered capabilities and technologies a future program might require and considered the roles of commercial industry and our international partners in this enterprise. From these deliberations, the committee developed five integrated alternatives for the U.S. human spaceflight program, including an executable version of the current program. The considerations and the five alternatives are summarized in the pages that follow. Key questions to guide the plan for human spaceflight. The Committee identified the following questions that, if answered, would form the basis of a plan for U.S. human spaceflight. 1. What should be the future of the Space Shuttle? 2. What should be the future of the International Space Station, ISS? 3. On what should the next heavy-lift launch vehicle be based? 4. How should crews be carried to low-Earth orbit? 5. What is the most practicable strategy for exploration beyond low Earth orbit? The Committee considers the framing and answering of these questions individually and consistently to be at least as important as their combinations in the integrated options for a human spaceflight program which are discussed below. Some 3000 alternatives can be derived from the various possible answers to these questions These were narrowed to the five representative families of integrated options that are offered in this report. In these five families, the Committee examined the interactions of the decisions, particularly with regard to cost and schedule. Other reasonable and consistent combinations of the choices are possible, each with its own cost and schedule implications, and these could also be considered as alternatives. CURRENT PROGRAMS Before addressing options for the future human exploration program, it is appropriate to discuss the current programs, the Space Shuttle, the International Space Station and Constellation, as well as the looming problem of the gap, the time that will elapse between the scheduled completion of the Space Shuttle program and the advent of a new U.S. capability to lift humans into space. Space Shuttle What should be the future of the Space Shuttle? The current plan is to retire it at the end of fiscal year 2010, with its final flight scheduled for the last month of that fiscal year. Although the current administration has relaxed the requirement to complete the last mission before the end of fiscal year 2010, there are no funds in the fiscal year 2011 budget for continuing shuttle operations. In considering the future of the shuttle, the Committee assessed the realism of the current schedule, examined issues related to the shuttle workforce, reliability and cost, and weighed the risks and possible benefits of a shuttle extension. The Committee noted that the projected flight rate is nearly twice that of the actual flight rate since return to flight in 2005, after the Columbia accident two years earlier. Recognizing that undue schedule and budget pressure can subtly impose a negative influence on safety, the Committee finds that a more realistic schedule is prudent. With the remaining flights likely to stretch into the second quarter of fiscal year 2011, the Committee considers it important to budget for shuttle operations through that time. Although a thorough analysis of shuttle safety was not part of its charter, The committee did examine the shuttle's safety record and reliability, as well as the results of other reviews of these topics. New human-rated launch vehicles will likely be more reliable once they reach maturity, but in the meantime the shuttle is in the enviable position of being through its infant mortality phase. Its flight experience and demonstrated reliability should not be discounted. Once the shuttle is retired, there will be a gap in the capability of the United States itself to launch humans into space. That gap will extend until the next U.S. human-rated launch system becomes available. The committee estimates that, under the current plan, this gap will be at least seven years. There has not been this long a gap in U.S. human launch capability since the U.S. human space program began. Most of the integrated options presented below would retire the shuttle after a prudent fly-out of the current manifest, indicating that the Committee found the interim reliance on international crew services acceptable. However, one option does provide for an extension of the shuttle at a minimum safe flight rate to preserve U.S. capability to launch astronauts into space. If that option is selected, there should be a thorough review of shuttle recertification and overall shuttle reliability to ensure that the risk associated with that extension would be acceptable. The results of the recertification should be reviewed by an independent committee, with the purpose of ensuring that NASA has met the intent behind the relevant recommendation of the Columbia Accident Investigation Board. International Space Station In considering the future of the International Space Station, the Committee asked two basic questions. What is the outlook between now and 2015? Should the ISS be extended beyond 2015? The Committee is concerned that the ISS, and particularly its utilization, may be at risk after shuttle retirement. The ISS was designed, assembled and operated with the capabilities of the Space Shuttle in mind. The present approach to its utilization is based on Shuttle-era experience. After Shuttle retirement, the ISS will rely on a combination of new international vehicles and as yet unproven U.S. commercial vehicles for cargo transport. Because the planned commercial resupply capability will be crucial to both ISS operations and utilization, it may be prudent to strengthen the incentives to the commercial providers to meet the schedule milestones. Now that the ISS is nearly completed and is staffed by a full crew of six, its future success will depend on how well it is used. Up to now, the focus has been on assembling the ISS, and this has come at the expense of exploiting its capabilities. Utilization should have first priority in the years ahead. The committee finds that the return on investment from the ISS to both the United States and the international partners would be significantly enhanced by an extension of its life to 2020. It seems unwise to deorbit the station after 25 years of planning and assembly and only five years of operational life. A decision not to extend its operation would significantly impair the u s ability to develop and lead future international spaceflight partnerships further the return on investment from the iss would be significantly increased if it were funded at a level allowing it to achieve its full potential as the nation's newest national laboratory as an enhanced testbed for technologies and operational techniques that support exploration and as a management framework that can support expanded international collaboration. The strong and tested working relationship among international partners is perhaps the most important outcome of the ISS program. The partnership expresses a first-among-equals U.S. leadership style adapted to today's multipolar world. That leadership could extend to exploration as the ISS partners could engage at an early stage if aspects of exploration beyond low earth orbit were included in the goals of the partnership agreement see figure one the constellation program the constellation program includes the Ares one launch vehicle capable of launching astronauts to low earth orbit the Ares 5 heavy lift launch vehicle to send astronauts and equipment to the moon the Orion capsule to carry astronauts to low Earth orbit and beyond, and the Altair lunar lander and lunar surface systems astronauts will need to explore the lunar surface. As the committee assessed the current status and possible future of the constellation program, it reviewed the technical, budgetary and scheduled challenges that the program faces today given the funding upon which it was based the constellation program chose a reasonable architecture for human exploration however even when it was announced its budget depended on funds becoming available from the retirement of the space shuttle in 2010 and the decommissioning of iss in early 2016 since then as a result of technical and budgetary issues the development schedules of Ares one and orion have slipped and work on ARIES 5 and Altair has been delayed. Most major vehicle development programs face technical challenges as a normal part of the process, and Constellation is no exception. While significant, these are engineering problems that the committee expects can be solved. But these solutions may add to the program's cost and delay its schedule. The original 2005 schedule showed ARIES-1 and Orion available to support the ISS in 2012, two years after scheduled shuttle retirement. The current schedule now shows that date as 2015. An independent assessment of the technical, budgetary and schedule risk to the constellation program performed for the committee indicates that an additional delay of at least two years is likely. This means that Ares-1 and Orion will not reach the ISS before the station's currently planned termination, and the length of the gap in U.S. ability to launch astronauts into space will be at least seven years. The committee also examined the design and development of Orion. Many concepts are possible for crew exploration vehicles, and NASA clearly needs a new spacecraft for travel beyond low Earth orbit. The Committee found no compelling evidence that the current design will not be acceptable for its wide variety of tasks in the exploration program. However, the Committee is concerned about Orion's recurring costs. The capsule is considerably larger and more massive than previous capsules, e.g. the Apollo capsule, and there is some indication that a smaller and lighter four-person Orion could reduce operational costs. However. A redesign of this magnitude would likely result in more than a year of additional development time and a significant increase in development cost, so such a redesign should be considered carefully before being implemented. Capability for launch to low Earth orbit and exploration beyond Heavy-lift launch to low Earth orbit and beyond no one knows the mass or dimensions of the largest hardware that will be required for future exploration missions but it will likely be significantly larger than twenty-five metric tons in launch mass to low earth orbit which is the capability of current launchers as the size of the launcher increases the result is fewer launches and less operational complexity in terms of assembly and or refueling in space in short the net availability of launch capability increases. Combined with considerations of launch availability and on-orbit operations, the committee finds that exploration would benefit from the availability of a heavy lift vehicle. In addition, heavy lift would enable the launching of large scientific observatories and more capable deep space missions. It may also provide benefit in national security applications. The question this raises is, on what system should the next heavy-lift launch vehicle be based? Potential approaches to developing heavy-lift vehicles are based on NASA heritage, Shuttle and Apollo, and EELV, Evolved expendable Launch Vehicle Heritage. See Figure 2. Each has distinct advantages and disadvantages. In the Ares-5 plus Ares-1 system planned by the Constellation program, the Ares-1 launches the Orion and docks in low Earth orbit with the Altair lander launched on the Ares-5. This configuration has the advantage of projected very high ascent crew safety, but it delays the development of the Ares-5 heavy lift vehicle until after the Ares-1 is developed in a different related architecture the orion and altair are launched on two separate light versions of the Ares v providing for a more robust mission mass and volume margins building a single nasa vehicle could reduce carrying and operations costs and accelerate heavy lift development of these two Ares system alternatives the committee finds the ARES-5 light used in the dual mode for lunar missions to be the preferred reference case. The shuttle-derived family consists of inline and side-mount vehicles substantially derived from the shuttle, thereby providing greater workforce continuity. The development cost of the more shuttle-derived system would be lower, but it would be less capable than the ARES-5 family and have higher recurring costs the lower-lift capability could eventually be offset by developing on-orbit refuelling. The EELV heritage systems have the least lift capacity, requiring almost twice as many launches as the Ares family to attain equal performance. If on-orbit refuelling were developed and used, the number of launches could be reduced, but operational complexity would increase. However, The EELV approach would also represent a new way of doing business for NASA, which would have the benefit of potentially lowering development and operational costs. This would come at the expense of ending a substantial portion of the internal NASA capability to develop and operate launchers. It would also require that NASA and the Department of Defense jointly develop the new system all of the options would benefit from the development of in-space refuelling and the smaller rockets would benefit most of all a potential government guaranteed market to provide fuel in low earth orbit would create a strong stimulus to the commercial launch industry the committee cautions against the tradition of designing for ultimate performance at the expense of reliability operational efficiency and life cycle cost crew access to low Earth orbit. How should U.S. astronauts be transported to low Earth orbit? There are two basic approaches, a government-operated system and a commercial transport service. The current Constellation Programme plan is to use the government-operated Ares-1 launch vehicle and the Orion crew capsule. However, the committee found that, because of technical and budget issues, the Ares-1 schedule no longer supports ISS needs. Ares-1 was designed to a high safety standard to provide astronauts with access to low Earth orbit at lower risk and a considerably higher level of safety than is available today. To achieve this, it uses a high-reliability rocket and a crew capsule with a launch-escape system. But other combinations of high-reliability rockets and capsules with escape systems Could also provide that safety the committee was unconvinced that enough is known about any of the potential high reliability launcher plus capsule systems to distinguish their levels of safety in a meaningful way the united states needs a means of launching astronauts to low earth orbit but it does not necessarily have to be provided by the government As we move from the complex reusable shuttle back to a simpler, smaller capsule, it is appropriate to consider turning this transport service over to the commercial sector. This approach is not without technical and programmatic risks, but it creates the possibility of lower operating costs for the system and potentially accelerates the availability of U.S. access to low Earth orbit by about a year to 2016. If this option is chosen, the committee suggests establishing a new competition for this service, in which both large and small companies could participate. Lowering the Cost of Space Exploration The cost of exploration is dominated by the costs of launch to low Earth orbit and of in-space systems. It seems improbable that significant reductions in launch costs will be realized in the short term until launch rates increase substantially, perhaps through expanded commercial activity in space. How can the nation stimulate such activity? In the 1920s, the federal government awarded a series of guaranteed contracts for carrying air mail, stimulating the growth of the airline industry. The committee concludes that an exploration architecture employing a similar policy of guaranteed contracts has the potential to stimulate a vigorous and competitive commercial space industry. Such commercial ventures could include the supply of cargo to the ISS, planning for which is already underway by NASA and industry, see Figure 3, transport of crew to orbit and transport of fuel to orbit. Establishing these commercial opportunities could increase launch volume and potentially lower costs to NASA and all other launch services customers. This would have the additional benefit of focusing NASA on a more challenging role, permitting it to concentrate its efforts where its inherent capability resides, in developing cutting-edge technologies and concepts, defining programs, and overseeing the development and operation of exploration systems. In the 1920s, the federal government also supported the growth of air transportation by investing in technology. The committee strongly believes it is time for NASA to reassume its crucial role of developing new technologies for space. Today, the alternatives available for exploration systems are severely limited because of the lack of a strategic investment in technology development in past decades. NASA now has an opportunity to generate a technology roadmap that aligns with an exploration mission that will last for decades. If appropriately funded, a technology development program would re-engage minds at American universities, in industry, and within NASA. The investments should be designed to increase the capabilities and reduce the costs of future exploration. This will benefit human and robotic exploration, the commercial space community and other us government users alike figure 3 congressional guidance in fiscal year 2008 nasa authorization and appropriation acts and other national policies concerning commercial use of space and commercial crew capabilities source us government 2008 authorization act a IN GENERAL, IN ORDER TO STIMULATE COMMERCIAL USE OF SPACE, HELP MAXIMIZE THE UTILITY AND PRODUCTIVITY OF THE INTERNATIONAL SPACE STATION AND ENABLE A COMMERCIAL MEANS OF PROVIDING CREW TRANSFER AND CREW RESCUE SERVICES FOR THE INTERNATIONAL SPACE STATION, NASA shall, 1. MAKE USE OF UNITED STATES COMMERCIALLY PROVIDED INTERNATIONAL SPACE STATION CREW TRANSFER AND CREW RESCUE SERVICES to the maximum extent practicable, if those commercial services have demonstrated the capability to meet NASA's specified ascent, entry, and International Space Station proximity operations safety requirements. 2. Limit, to the maximum extent practicable, the use of the crew exploration vehicle to missions carrying astronauts beyond low-Earth orbit once commercial crew transfer and crew rescue services that meet safety requirements become operational. 3. Facilitate, to the maximum extent practicable, the transfer of NASA-developed technologies to potential United States commercial crew transfer and rescue service providers, consistent with US state's law, and 4. Issue a notice of intent not later than 180 days after the date of enactment of this Act to enter into a funded, competitively awarded Space Act agreement with two or more commercial entities for a Phase I Commercial Orbital Transportation Services Crude Vehicle Demonstration Program. 2008 Appropriations Act Encouraged NASA to consider exercising its option for the commercial cargo capability COTS, capability D, crew transport, as soon as possible. National Security Presidential Directive, 49. Departments and agencies shall use commercial space capabilities and services to the maximum practical extent. End of section 2.